This is Check Yourself, a health and wellness podcast aimed at providing the tools for you to live your best life. This podcast is brought to you by the Community Health Education Center, hence Check, through the Salem Health Foundation and at Salem Health Hospital. My name is Leah Burkhart. I'm speaking with Alyssa Geyser. We are both health educators here on staff. And today what we're going to be talking about is the, well, the stages of change. After having spent some time speaking to the challenge of change, uh, speaking to the importance of rewarding our efforts as we navigate through the terrain of change, today what we wanted to achieve is sort of the equivalent of popping the hood and looking at the mechanics of it. What exactly is involved in making a change in a real sort of nuts and bolts sort of way? So we'll talk about, you know, the the stages of change, i.e., you know, that part of the process when I don't know what I don't know. Or, yeah, I know I need to make a change, but I don't want (laughs) to. And then how that might move into, well, okay, I'm thinking about it. And then from there into, all right, well, I'll do some prep work for it. And then into action and maintenance. And then the, that part of the puzzle that includes relapse. And while it's really tempting, of course, to imagine that there's just this very linear and fluid uh, process that's involved there, like I naturally go from one stage to the next, we'll also talk about how, it, how messy this gets and how we might kind of go from stage one to two and then back at one, and then one, two, three, and then relapse altogether and start again. And the goal here is twofold. First, I mean, yeah, we want to give you an understanding of how behavior change works. So, you know, we think it's interesting. We're hoping you do too. But I think the more important thing we're hoping to kind of communicate here is just how complicated it really is to make a change in our lives. And what we're hoping is twofold. If you are in a position where you are trying to make a new habit stick, We want to provide you with a little bit of, well, a reason to be compassionate with yourself, to practice self-compassion. Because so many people think, God, this should just be so easy. But when you understand how complicated it actually is, and if you can kind of identify where you might be in the process, it's a little bit easier to give yourself some grace. Like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. The fact that I'm struggling with this thing doesn't make me broken. It makes me human. This is what this process looks like. I'm not doing it wrong. I'm doing it exactly right. I just need to take my time with it. So in other words, compassion as well as patience. And in addition to that, if perhaps you are someone who's invested in a loved one or a patient or client that you might be working with, if, if you don't need to make the change, but someone you care about is in a position where you know they should really make this change, it might provide you an opportunity to stand back for a moment and just allow that process to unfold on its own terms. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been in that situation where I, I can look to someone I love and think, oh, come on, man. <laughs> I mean you know you need to do this thing. So I know how much benefit you would get if you just spent a little bit of time moving your body. Or I know how important it is for you to quit smoking. 
or now flip that on me, I know how important it is for me to get more organized or for me to get to bed on time. I know how important this is. And yet (laughs) it's not happening. And so maybe by understanding the mechanics of how change works, you can better identify how you can best meet the situation with what it needs. So having said all that, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and begin. I'm here with Alyssa Geyser. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, everybody. My name is Alyssa Geyser, and I am one of the health educators here as well at the Community Health Education Center. Thanks so much for coming on with me. Yeah, super excited. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've done a couple of these by myself, and I've got to be honest, they're really um, boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be so much better to talk to someone. Yeah, well, I, um, I of course, because I'm me, I can talk forever and be fine because that's, I, maybe that's an introvert thing where it's like, I can be in the privacy of my own head. But when I re-listen to it, it's just, it's like, oh man, I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. Get another perspective in there. Yes. Oh, so uh, today what we were going to be kind of covering, what I thought might be fun, well, fun for me. I don't know if it's so fun for everybody else, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, like a lot of times, given that this is January and lots of folks are making goals or maybe are chatting with other people who are encouraging them to set goals, all of that, uh, I thought it might be useful to break down this concept of stages of change. So it's all very clinical and it's kind of wonky in, tr- in the terminology. Uh, but what I think is really valuable about it is that in knowing that there is sort of an organized understanding of behavior change, you know, a lot of times I hear people lament about the fact that, oh, I set a goal and what's wrong with me, I didn't stick to it, so on and so forth. Or I hear folks say, I am trying to get my husband, wife, sister, daughter, son, whatever, I really want him to make this change. It's so important and he's not doing it and it's driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. And it can be a helpful thing if you understand the the sort of the stages of change and where you're at in it or maybe where your loved one is, it can be a really nice opportunity to practice some self-compassion and just kind of go, oh, that's why I'm not making headway on this thing. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. (laughs) So, yeah, just to kind of kind of a roadmap for what we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. I always loved this time of year, not necessarily because I always come up with resolutions or really strict goals for myself, but even to just think about if you pause and have this moment of reflection to just think about what you've accomplished or what you've surpassed this year and what you envision for yourself this next year, whether they're clear cut goals or just general ideas I think it's also a good time to just pause and reflect as well. Yeah, it's also, it's great that it comes in winter too. Mm -hmm. I think winter in general is, it encourages more rest, quiet. Yeah. Even if you're not somebody who typically loves that stuff, it's sort of like, well, 
it's raining again. <laughs> what else am I going to do? Right. Coming from both sides. I, I love the moment of reflection, but I'm also like January is the slowest month of the year for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like it encourages slash forces that reflection. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you're going to be pondering what happened this last year and yeah. where do I want to go next? Right. I think it's good though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that loves, it's like, I used to love resolutions and goals. And now what I do is instead I, I set a word. Hmm. So it's like this year, my word is, and for this one, it was surrender. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a word, is there ever, I, I'm putting you on the spot right now, but like, if you could think of a word that you would want to set as maybe a, a theme or intention for the year, would you have one, do you think? Wow. Hmm. Um, like instantly I'm like, wow, I sure. So many words could come to mind. Um, I think I would go with something. This is not going to be a word. I'm terrible at following directions. Um, (laughs) some, somewhere along the lines of maintaining a, a positive mindset. Um, cause I already try, um, pretty hard. I think most of us generally do to maintain that even through trials and, and the tough stuff. But, um, truly anytime I'm having a rough moment or a rough go at something, that moment in which I pause and, and reflect again on the situation and think about how I can look at it in a new light or try to look at it from a different perspective that leans itself more towards the positive mindset. Um, just because mentally it's helpful, it's exhausting to exert energy over something that is uh, is negative. And so for me, mentally, it's always better to, to, I can have those feelings, but then to try to then let them go after a healthy amount of time, <laughs> let them go and, and try to move forward from that. So, Yeah, I love that. It's like um, self-compassion. Yeah. But it's mixed with I don't, maybe self-compassion and not quite optimism, but it's almost like a, an attempt at trying to um, spin it in the most positive way you can, given what you have to work with at the time. So it's not the, you know, whatever people talk about when they say toxic positivity, but mm-hmm. more of a, what's another way I might look at this? Sure. Yeah. I, being self-aware mm-hmm. and then giving yourself compassion. I like that. And that's a, it's almost a perfect segue into like, so in terms of the stages of change, uh, I forget who it was that, you know, that was the architect of this. But what I will say is that the stages are, so there's pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and then maintenance. And then of course there's that last one thrown in there that is, um, oh, like you, 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 Go back to the habits. So what am I thinking? Um, oh, rats. I'm not remembering it. It's like I fell back into a habit. I, what's the word? It'll come to me later. It's fine. But anyway. I'm like uh, trying to read your mind. I know. Like, like, we're thinking? both squinting. It's like, like a game of charades here. <laughs> it's one word, two syllables. <laughs> But basically, it's the, uh, the last one is sort of like when I, I bounce or I, I get out of my good groove. 
So um, if I'm in recovery, for example, a classic way this is utilized is like if I'm if I have a drug addiction and I'm doing really well and then, oh, no, relapse. That was it. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd you find knew it. You knew it would come. It would come, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, so the relapse stage is sort of can go in any one of these. So it's not like here's the cycle. It goes from here to here to here to here. Like here's one, two, three. It's more of a uh, – there's a general flow of how they all work together, but that whole relapse one can – come in at any time. That's the idea there. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so we'll start with Mm -hmm. pre-contemplation. How would you describe it? I'll describe it too, but I'm just kind of curious. If you were to think about the pre-contemplation stage, how would you describe that? I would describe it as you have no idea that there's a problem. And so you're not thinking about any sort of change. Yeah. It's almost like the, I don't know what I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and this is the stage of change where if I'm thinking of like maybe a smoker who legitimately didn't realize that smoking was that bad, mm-hmm. or maybe they did, but they didn't fully comprehend, like they knew it wasn't great, but they didn't fully comprehend what it would all entail and exactly what it could lead to. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, yeah, it's the, I'm not, I don't, number one, I don't know what I don't know, or even if I have some inkling of, a, of knowing, I don't really have any interest whatsoever in making a change in that area. That's mm-hmm. just, I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Doc. Not interested. <laughs> yes. A glaring example comes to mind from a recent endeavor of mine <laughs> with my child, actually. So I have a son. He just turned two uh, last Halloween. And so I thought... What better way to ring in the new year than to try the potty train, which I had five days off. So I figured I might as well capitalize on that and give it our best shot. So that we did. And through that experience, I learned he was in the pre-contemplation stage. (laughs) He doesn't think there's anything wrong with, no, actually, I don't think, honestly, he realizes like every time he'd have an accident, it was a surprise. It'd catch him off guard. Because all you know as a baby and growing up is just going in your diaper and you're taken care of and it's right there and nothing else. You go about your business. Um, and so fortunately, once it reached a point in which he was telling me loud and clear, Mom, I'm not ready, I listened and we did forego um, the effort at this point in time. But it is that. I have no idea what I'm doing is even wrong. And so therefore I have no desire to do anything different right now. Yeah. You know, I'm remembering someone who has spoke to, you know, the idea of uh, in parenting Mm -hmm. and this gentleman said, you know, one of the hardest things about being a parent is that for the first phase of a baby's life, that infant is just always correct. If that baby is crying, there is a reason. Mm-hmm. That baby is either hungry or wants the diaper changed or is tired. There is a reason. And so as a parent, you get conditioned really quickly mm-hmm. to just always respond and to understand, like, this is the, the being that knows what needs to happen. And I'm the being who's responsible for just responding. <laughs> but there's a moment where that becomes more ambiguous, where suddenly it's, well, maybe this little toddler is not always correct. Mm-hmm. And to know the, but it's most of the time that that little toots is, and sometimes not. And so, as a parent, you're now in this whole new phase where you have to determine: wait, 
is this a, a, a time when I really need to just listen and like f- allow, or is this a time when I need to push and kind of put down a boundary or, or say, nope, this is what's happening. I know you don't like it, but eat your carrots. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and that's such a beautiful disc- like way of talking about this one area of change where you're looking at this little bean Mm-hmm. And he was very clear. It's like, I'm not ready, mom. This isn't happening. Yeah, exactly. That's always been the hardest thing. And I'm sure other parents can certainly relate is just being able to understand their thought process and their needs um, and wants and desires because you just can't communicate to them in the same way that you would just communicate with another adult. And so you're constantly learning. And as soon as, of course, you figure it out, then they change. And so it's this constant game of trying to figure out what's best for your child and what they need in in that moment. Yeah. And I would say too, that applies. It's a, and I use that analogy of raising a kid with trying to practice Mm self-care, you know, just like you said, oh, I finally figured out how to parent this kid. And what you've really figured out is how to parent an eight-year-old. And then that little rascal turns nine <laughs> and then it's a whole nother game. And mm-hmm. then, and then 10 and 12 and 16 and 28, 30. I mean, you're still their parent, but mm-hmm. you're a very different kind of parent for each of those beings. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way with self-care, I there's, for example, if someone comes in, it's like, I really want to, I guess well, I'll say lose weight. That's a big one in January. Mm-hmm. I want to lose weight. And so they, they work really hard to come up with a routine and they, they, they figure out their groove. They get mm-hmm. excited. They're like, all right, I know what to eat. I know how much. I got my exercise routine down. And then their job changes and a new schedule. Mm-hmm. Or nothing changes, but this person who was 32 and f- thought they figured everything out turns 40 and their body is changing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but I haven't changed anything that I've eaten in the last eight years and now I'm gaining weight. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well you're a different human. Your body has different needs. So you need to adjust. And that's hard because once you get into a good groove, it's like, I don't want to have to learn a whole new groove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and that kind of brings us into the next one. So contemplation, again, that's, or pre-contemplation is like, either I don't know what I don't know, or even if I do know, I don't really care to change. I'm not interested. And then contemplation is eh, thinking about it right like you know what the problem is and you know what behavior would fix it but it might just end there like that is that it's a matter of fact (laughs) yes it's like it's the I want to want to exactly But I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like I really want to want to do the thing. But the reality is I don't actually want it. And that can actually be, an, I think, an area that's really painful mm-hmm. because you're starting to see the gap between what you want and what you are what you feel like you're capable of or what you have the bandwidth for mm-hmm. or all of that. So it's like I know what I want to want to be doing, but that the drive isn't quite there. And so there's this tug of war that can happen in that stage. Mm-hmm. Does anything come to mind for you with this stage? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for me, randomly, it has a lot to do with, um, I would say, structure. Like, So one of my strengths mm-hmm. 
is an improv. Like I can kind of just go with the flow of things. And one of the things I really appreciate about the way that I move in the world is that when I'm with someone, I'm really with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's my experience. Maybe they're sort of like, nah, kid, you're not even <laughs> close. But I really feel like, no, I want to give you my undivided attention. Mm-hmm. The downside to that is that if I'm always sort of living in the moment, um, I can lose track of time or I can be less structured. Uh, so when people really need me to be more structured, I need to be at a place at a certain time mm-hmm. or um, I need to have a routine around posting on social media or getting back to text messages or what have you. And I know this is going to be a useful exercise for me if I could integrate more of that ability to be organized and structured and consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so I know what I need to do. I know I need to sort of start to set some structures, like maybe I set the alarm in the morning and at least have me get up at the same time every day. Or maybe it's, you know, make a commitment to always post on social media about our podcast once a week or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know I need to, but wow, it's really hard and I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, but, but that was yesterday when I said I'd do that and I was younger then and you know, times were different. I was a different person yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I had such, you know, high hopes, but so that's what comes to mind for me. It's really broad, but it it seems to manifest in all sorts of areas. Like Mm -hmm. I need to get my act together and be a grown up and be at a certain place at a certain time. But the, but, but it's hard comes out. Mm Mm-hmm. Any come up for you? Yes, it's a much smaller example. (laughs) And so me sitting here going, it's hard is not a very good excuse. (laughs) But, um, and that no judgments here. But, you know, I'm sure there's other people out there that can be better at flossing like I can. Super simple task. You you brush, floss, rinse. I'm really good at the brush and rinse part. There's a part of me that just wants to get into bed that much sooner the idea of taking an extra 60 seconds to floss is just this monumental task. And so, like, if we were to do a challenge here at work, which we've done before with our coworkers, and we set goals, which I've set that goal before, and I can successfully do it for 30 days or for however long I choose to track it, uh, inevitably, as soon as that ends or some weeks they're following after, it will drop off (laughs) that is just the one thing or like you know your dentist appointments coming up so a month before you're like holy moly it's coming up I need to start flossing so when they ask me I can say yeah totally I'm on that (laughs) you know or you might be good a little bit after your appointment too but then there's this whole window of time in which you feel like you just fall off the wagon on something that is the thing for me and I know I need to be better at it like I know the problem well I'm not having any exactly problems as a result of it at this point in my life but I know there will be if I do not as there will would for anybody and so it's a thing that I constantly think about (laughs) (laughs) and well that's where it ends sometimes (laughs) well I love the specificity there because I guess if I were to pick one for myself Mm -hmm. it would I could just say scheduling yeah like make a schedule and stick to it yeah um and it's interesting because last week I was I, I was trying to this, trying this on where I was going to schedule myself out for the year, but allowing, 
you know, things can change, but right. like, you have to be flexible. Yeah. yeah. But like trying my best to really create a structure so that it's, I, I'm not constantly every week having to reinvent the wheel. Sure. What's my schedule going to be like today? Right. And so the next one is the preparation stage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if we're using that as the example or using as we'll, we'll get into the floss example, cause mm-hmm. I think that's so perfect. But like, <laughs> um, for me, the preparation, preparation stage looked like, okay, well, what do I want to use as my calendar? Do I want to write it down? Do I need to put it electric, you know, electronically? Um, do I use my work as my prime? So like Outlook at work, do I use that as my primary calendar or do I use Google, you know, like on my phone? How do I want it? So this is all stuff that is the preparation. Like I haven't even gotten started on figuring out the hours or where's what's going to be where and what I'll be doing. First, it's just what tools do I want to use what are the things that I'm looking to schedule? So one might be my work. One might be time for exercise or all of that stuff. So it's like I'm not quite doing the thing yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not at pre-contemplation, so I'm not sitting back going, oh, you guys are so bougie. You think schedules are important. Ew. So I'm not doing that. I'm now into the next – I'm not in the next phase where I'm just thinking about it. I'm, it's like, no, I, I, I acknowledge and I really accept this needs to happen. And so then the next one is, all right, well, now I need to put, need to gather all of my tools together so I can get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All I need, lucky for me, is floss. (laughs) And well, I have an abundance of that because you get some every time you go in for a cleaning. I mean, so yeah, but I do think there's, it can, so you need to have the floss and then you also need to have the floss visible so that when you're in the bathroom, like for me, I, I buy extra. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that I always have a backup of. One of them is toilet paper. One of them is floss. Toothpaste is another. Where it's just stuff that's never going to go bad, but mm-hmm. you don't want to be in the situation where it's like, oh, man. Yeah. I'm at zero and now <laughs> I can't brush my teeth. Uh, but it's But they're underneath the sink like all of that stuff. So you want it visible. So you have the floss, it's somewhere visible. Anything else that you would need to prep, do you think, or? No, my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, it's fair, that's solid. (laughs) Maybe also my little heart. (laughs) My little heart that wants to always be flowing along in the world and not be be structured. I have to let it go. Uh, and then the next one is action. So mm-hmm. action is where you've put everything in place. You're ready to go. Mm-hmm. You're doing the thing. Doing the thing. Yep. So what would that look like for you? Is that just, I'm, you know. Actively flossing. Okay. Every nice. night before bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, I've done and I know I can do. Because there is that competitive side to me that if we're doing a challenge, I'm not not going to do it to not check a box. Like, it's such a small task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But as soon as that goes away, and, you know, one might say, well, then keep that. But if it's just for me, myself, and I, I don't think it would do the same thing either of just checking a box. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you're, like, doing a thing with other people even if they don't have the same goals. And that was the nice part about how we set it up is everyone got to choose their own goal. So no one else had to have the same goal, but it still helps keep you accountable just because I want to say I checked off all the boxes. And that kind of goes into, so I'm going to move away from the stages of change for just a second. Like I've, I think I've brought this up in other 
um, you know, recordings before, but there's something called the IMB model. So information, motivation, behavioral skills, like those are the three things. And if anybody wants to be able to make a change, there has to be those three elements. So there's the, the what, as in what do I need to know? Or what do I need to have? So if I want to floss, like what do I need to know? Well, I need to know how to floss. <laughs> and I need to have the floss in play. And then there's the why. So what's in it for me? So if I want to make up a schedule, the what is do I have the tools? Do I know how to make a schedule? Do I, what do I need to know? What do I need to have? And then the why might be, I want it, uh, it's important to me to be considered credible, not flaky, whatever the why is. It's like, I want to be more balanced or I want to not have to get, spend as much time in the dental chair when I go to get my teeth cleaned. Mm-hmm. I don't want cavities. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's your, what's in it for you? And then the final one is the how, and that's the skills. So we've talked mm-hmm. about you know, smart skills where specific goals and do you have a uh, way of monitoring your progress? Do you arrange your world? Do you recruit support? Do you treat yourself? And so what you just described there was, you know, that when you're talking about if there's a challenge going mm-hmm. on, you're talking about your motivation because mm-hmm. now that gets it taps more into your why. It's like, mm-hmm. well, why am I doing this? It's not actually just for you. Now, when you add the other element of a challenge with other people, you've got a much more interesting motive. And then on top of that, you're like capitalizing on other aspects of like behavioral skills. Mm -hmm. So there's so many layers to it. It seems really simple. And I'm sure people listening are just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually these are incredibly sophisticated uh, models Mm -hmm. to be bringing up. So this is a reason why really smart people spend years trying to figure this stuff out. Because they're like, why is it so hard to change? Por qué? (laughs) So... And in terms of the, and then once you finally start getting into a groove, Mm -hmm. that's all well and good. But then there's the next problem, which is it gets boring. So this is a big one with exercise. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got so good at getting up every morning and and going on a run. But now I'm just really bored of running. Or it could be biking. Mm -hmm. We have a Peloton on our on site. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's like, this is so great. And initially people are excited, but there's only so many times you can ride a Peloton before you think, you know, it would be great to do anything other than that. Is there anything, you got anything else? (laughs) So that kind of brings you into the maintenance space Mm -hmm. of, okay, now you're doing the thing, which is great, but how do you keep it going for Mm -hmm. the long term? Mm -hmm. What is it? Because you mentioned that you'll do it for a while, the flossing, Mm -hmm. and then it drops off. Why do you think it drops off? Well, either because the challenge ends mm-hmm. or because then I tell myself, well, I get bored of it. And then I tell myself, well, then I don't need to floss every night. What if I just floss every other night? Or heck, what if I just floss a couple times a week? Mm-hmm. How about just once a week? <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. I don't even remember when the last time. <laughs> I brush and rinse. Isn't that good enough? No. Yeah. So all these thought processes come to play that just cause me to decide to climb into bed that much sooner. Yep. And for me, it would be, yeah, with the scheduling, mm-hmm. same kind of concept of like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just going to go into work a little bit later. And 
I mean, one thing that's I, I'm I'm not just confident in, but I'm, I feel reliable about myself. I am conscientious. So I'm really good at, um, like, if I go in a little bit later, I'll stay later, and it's no big deal. But it'll start with that. Like, it's only 30 minutes. It's, I, I'm not missing a meeting. It's totally fine. I'll just stay 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into, well, no one's going to, you know, it, it, no one's negatively impacted this. An hour isn't a big deal. And then it's, well, maybe this day doesn't have to go exactly as I scheduled it. And then before you know it, it's like, schedule. What schedule? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll get my work done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll figure it out. We'll just go back into that whole improv area. Mm-hmm. So it's that same kind of concept of like, it starts with just, well, maybe it doesn't have to be all the time. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, now we're back into which is the next one, which is that relapse phase. Mm-hmm. So even in relapse, there's like multiple layers to that. So there's relapse, or excuse me, lapse. And that's just the... Mm-hmm. So an example of that with flossing would probably be just like, oh, shoot, I forgot last night. And then immediately we get back on the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, relapse is, well, maybe I can just do it every other day. And then the, na- the last one is behavioral drift where, when's the last time that I flossed again? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Back to square one. Exactly. Shoot. And then again, the thing to always remember is even if, because again, because we're humans who like to think linearly, we imagine that it's nice and poetic and, and organized. Like, mm-hmm. I will just glide through each of these phases. But in reality, I can go from pre-contemplation to contemplation and then relapse. Mm-hmm. And then I'm back in the, I don't know. I can go all the way into preparation and then not actually execute it. Mm-hmm. I can get all the way into action and then not maintain it. Or I can have maintained this thing for a year. And then maybe when I got that new job and had to redo all of it, I just, it all went by the wayside again. Mm-hmm. I have something that comes to mind a little bit of like one thing. So this is going to be a story. I hope you're ready. I'm Buckle ready. up. Um, so my thing last year was getting back into exercise, which I know a lot of people do at the beginning of the year. For me, it was just after having a kid and trying to figure out what my life was going to look like with work and exercise and all that thing. And when I'd make time for it all. Um, however, the exercise part wasn't the hard part for me because I, I do that for my physical health, obviously, but for my mental like self care, that was my, my me time. And so I was able to plug that in. And so that was almost a year ago, obviously. Um, And now I'm at the point where I've been tasked with some uh, PT work, physical therapy. Um, And I go to the gym still, but trying to work in my PT regimens when I need to, the number of times that I need to, now has me maintaining one thing. Like I'm maintaining going to the gym the amount of times that I want to in the week three to four times. I can maintain that. But now the other aspect of my physical health is somewhere in the action, just trying to find, I have the tools, but I'm trying to find the time and when I'm going to work it in so that I can get to the maintenance stage. Oh, that makes so much sense. Like two aspects in one. That actually reminds me of Again, these are more clinical terms, but I'll break them down so they're not quite as, they're not as boring. But there's 
there's also this like stages of competence. Mm-hmm. So there's um, unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, unconscious competence. So the first one is, it's like when you're learning to drive. At first, I, it's like everything feels overwhelming. Even just learning all of whatever, like you kind of know that, yeah, the steering wheel makes the car go what direction. You have a general sense, but everything feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. You are unconsciously incompetent. Like it's, it, it's it kind of like the I don't know what I don't know, but to the extreme. And then conscious incompetence. So I guess maybe it would be closer to say if you're learning to drive, that it's before you get into the car. You're unconscious incompetent in that area because you don't even know yet what it's going to be like Mm -hmm. you haven't even gotten a taste of it so you're kind of thinking this should be easy but then you get in the seat of the car and you realize just oh and now I'm very aware of the fact that I don't know how to do this Mm -hmm. and then there's conscious competence where you're driving the car but every move is thought out I'm having to think about putting the blinker on I'm having to think about you know, when I parallel park, it doesn't just, I can't be listening to anything. I turn the radio off. It has to be silent. Mm -hmm. And then unconscious competence is when you're in that place of, this is just what I do now. Mm -hmm. Like I can have a podcast going, the baby can be crying in the back seat. And I just time traveled for my, to my destination. Like I don't even remember driving. Mm -hmm. It happened so like fluidly. And so what you just described when you're going to the gym is it's like, you have the tools Mm -hmm. and you know what the, like you know what the PT is that you're like the mm-hmm. exercises you're even in the right place you're mm-hmm. doing it but again it's not quite it's not like the exercise stuff which you've been doing long enough that it just comes second nature right so my normal workout routine is just yeah second nature it's what I do it's what they show up for I can even do the the part of my PT where it's the strength base because I'll pair that with the stuff I'm already doing but I also have a second piece to the regiment where I'm supposed to be doing stretching and breath work on my off days. And that's where it's hard for me because it's on my off days. So it's not, it doesn't take place when I'm at the gym. And so that means it should take place when I'm home. Or like if I looked into doing a yoga or something, I'm sure I can mix it in there. But but that's like a whole nother ball game, working it into my schedule. I guess I even now talking it out loud, I'm more the opposite of Leah. So I'm so scheduled and routine based that trying to add something in that's not a part of my routine takes a lot of conscious effort Mm -hmm. and work and motivation. And so trying to think of like, well, if I did it while my son naps, well, normally that's when I do house chores and just honestly binge a show probably and so do I want to sacrifice that time to do my rehab not yet (laughs) or do I want to sacrifice my night routine to you know or change it not sacrifice change my night routine to fit it in before bed well no I haven't gotten there yet either and so it's also it's the opposite experience as Leah being so grounded to my routine that when you are trying to develop something new, that can be an obstacle in and of itself, trying to find the time of when you're wanting to fit it in. Yeah. Oh, I can understand that completely. Well, and especially because you're juggling so much. I mean, a mom is on its own basically three full-time jobs. (laughs) (laughs) You're 
teacher, your nurse, you are, you know, like there's, and you're just the nourishing source of love and effect. Like there's just so much going on there. And then to add into that, oh, and also there's, you know, work. And then on top of that, there's, oh yeah, that, that taking care of myself thing. So now it's, I have to take care of this other human being. And on top of that, wait, there's so many different um, stakeholders in your life that are vying for your attention. Mm-hmm. When you do the physical therapy, is is there anything inherently rewarding in it? Or is it kind of just like, I get that this is helpful, but I don't like it? I wouldn't say that I dislike it, uh-huh. but I wouldn't say it leaves me satisfied enough that I crave it in the same way that I do other forms of exercise. That makes sense. I was just, part of the reason I was asking is because I was thinking for myself, like the upside of when I stick to a schedule, Mm -hmm. the upside is it requires less bandwidth for me. Mm -hmm. So if someone randomly asks, hey, Leah, do you want to go to XYZ place at one, two, three time? I can, I don't have to think as hard. I can say, well, no, I'm not available. I know that. Or I can say, yes, I am. And I don't have to do this whole tug of war thing. It's already there. So there's some benefit that I get from it. Mm -hmm. But also it's not as satisfying. I I have so much more data Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, doing the other thing. And the most, the satisfaction I get with just, again, going with the flow. It just feels so natural. Mm-hmm. So that's what can happen for me is like I, it's not that I don't get any benefit. It's that I have way more data mm-hmm. not doing that thing and doing something different and getting positive results from that thing. Mm-hmm. That it's like I'm having to carve out a whole new groove in this other area. Right. And you actually have to, and this goes for any goal, anything, you actually have to put conscious effort towards it as opposed to the other option, which is just like you said, easy. And you just inherently can go back to it. Yeah. You don't have to put any sort of effort towards it. Yes. Because that whole, it's like that unconscious competence mm-hmm. thing is addictive. Yeah. I love feeling like a Jedi ninja in my zone. Like, it's <laughs> like, I've got this. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And then when I have to translate that, like those strengths in some other area, it's like, oh, that, that's hard and it's icky and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the right. toddler or the little bean that is so excited to learn how to count to 10. And then you tell the, the poor little thing, okay, now 11, mm-hmm. 12, and this kid just goes, no, no, we're done now. Like, I got to 10. That's all. We're good. <laughs> and, yeah, so and in, this is, I think, um, how to put this? It's not a story exactly, but a metaphor that was given to me by a colleague that I loved. When it comes to creating habits, there's, it's almost like, and you can imagine that there are ridges and all of the ridges are coming, starting from the peak of a hill. You have these nice little ridges you've formed that go from the top all the way to the bottom. And the more often you do the thing, the more that ridge develops into a ravine and then a canyon and so on. And when you have a new set of behaviors you're trying to build, it's basically like you're having to start over with a new ravine mm-hmm. and dig surface level. You're, you're starting all over. But that other one didn't go away. Like, that's always going to be there. And so, for example, if, you've, if you're trying to be more uh, mindful about what you eat, mm-hmm. I have so many instances where I'm sad, happy, mad, whatever, and I eat, that that ravine is really nicely built. But now I'm trying to build this new habit. 
where I stop, I pause, or I slow down my eating, whatever it is I'm trying to do. And every time I do that thing, it starts to get a little bit more sort of deep. And it's like if you're trying to drop a marble on the top of that hill and and just predict where it's going to fall, it'll fall in the path of least resistance. So creating a new habit is having to create that new ravine where when you drop the marble, it's going to be increasingly likely to go down the way you want it to. But that's also why when something happens in our lives that doesn't, like that stimmies us or stresses us out, it's so easy to fall back into that other groove because Mm -hmm. that groove didn't disappear. Mm -hmm. So. And it's easy. You don't have to think about it. I know. And it feels so good. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And so the. Part of the reason I thought this would be so helpful to cover, again, is that I, I hear from a lot of folks who want to engage in some kind of a new healthy behavior, like the struggle mm-hmm. of, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why is it that I can't do this thing? Um, there's embarrassment, there's shame, or there's frustration if it's more like with a kid or a, a husband, a spouse or a, a loved one. Like, I, I, does, I don't understand it. Why can't my dad just quit smoking? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, he knows he, you know, heart disease runs in the family. He knows it's hurting him. What is wrong with him? Mm-hmm. And it can, if you know some of what's going, like, if you, it's almost like you get to open up the hood and see what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. If you do know what's happening, it can make a little bit more space for relaxation of, oh, there's nothing wrong with my dad. Mm-hmm. He's just struggling with the same kinds of struggles I do but in different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that as you've heard today, everyone does, even, right, health educators, for example, <laughs> who, like we've talked about this whole time, are aware of, you know, changes they might need to make or things that they need to do, but that doesn't make it easy for any person. And we can only keep working at it and give ourselves grace. Yeah, which circles back to... Self-compassion. Self-compassion, your original intention. There we go. Comes full circle. <laughs> and, you know, is there anything you else you can think of, you know, it, that you would want to say to someone? So imagine there's someone listening who's just like, yeah, but I'm really trying to make a change. And it is really hard. And mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. At, like, is there something, like, if you were to make a thesis statement or, like, a, a takeaway message, mm-hmm. what would you want to tell that person? Easy. No. <laughs> um, no, my uh, takeaway here has always been to start small. I am a person who, as I'm sure many of you all are as well, get overwhelmed by big ideas, big thoughts, big changes, um, big goals. And so I need to start small and know that that's okay. And that's only going to help you to be successful on your journey. And so whether it is an exercise-related goal or a nutrition-related goal or a self-care-related goal, those are all huge topics that can be broken down in so many different directions. And so think of one small goal that you can start with, and then until you get to the maintenance of that one small goal, then you can think about adding an additional one to that. So, for example, for me even, as I'm looking at my water bottle – Drinking water is an excellent thing to do. I might think to start there. I often do. (laughs) 
if I'm going to think about my, how I'm eating, you know, which a lot of people also do after the holidays and, but needing to do big drastic things often and thinking that that's, you know, what's going to kickstart and, and maybe, or maybe not, um, you know, your body better than anybody else. But for me, it might just be, I'm going to drink the amount of water that I need to drink. And then once I get to where I feel like I've maintained that and build my way through the steps, then I might think I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to try not to have sweets as often or rather than cutting something out, adding something in. So that's not a great example. How about we try to add our servings of vegetables in? I know sometimes for me too, it can be helpful to think about what I'm adding in as opposed to what I need to cut out and start there and see where it goes. So all that to say that starting small, making small goals and steps for yourself and then building off of that, not feeling like you need to conquer the whole world and your whole body in a week. That's beautiful. And I think the, you know, I love it. It's almost like under promise over deliver yeah like start some with something small because even with water that's such a great example and what I'll find that people will do is say I'm gonna now drink three liters of water a day and it's like okay well how much water are you drinking now two ounces <laughs> when okay. I put it in my tea or my coffee or something and it's like um so uh any chance we could start with eight ounces <laughs> instead of exactly, going Exactly, yeah. That's a great point, thinking about where you're even starting from. And so you don't always have to start a goal with where you want to end, mm -hmm. but just thinking about what's your next step, and then you can continue to build from there. Exactly. So it's like if what's the next step is – um, it's thinking of it like a stairwell. You can, you know where you want to be and you know where you are in the stairwell, but not shaming yourself for having to take the steps to get up there. You can't just leap and suddenly be at the top floor. Right. Or, I mean, I suppose you could, um, I don't know how, but if that was what you decided you needed to do, think of all of the tools you would need to have to get there. Like you'd have to create a machine that catapults you up the stairs in the same way if you're trying to go from, two ounces of water to a hundred, mm -hmm. that's going to be a really involved and like take a ton of your bandwidth kind of process. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, even with, it's like start with a simple goal and then from that simple goal, take it down to the easiest possible entry. Because mm -hmm. that's what I've noticed a lot of people will do is they just, they, they put a mountain's worth of goals on themselves and then they feel like they're incompetent because yeah, they didn't Yeah, that's where it. they get discouraged. Yeah. Rightly so, and disappointed in themselves, and then they just give it up altogether because then they don't have to feel that way. Yeah. Oh, so good. We're all humans. <laughs> so here we are. Yes. Well, uh, I'll just end with letting folks know that if you are trying to, you know, you're in a place where you're contemplating new goals or, you're, you know, you think you might like some support, whether that support comes in the form of talking to a health educator or reading up on more materials that speak to goal setting. Like we have a ton of resources here at The Check. So if you are local, you can come on down Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5. And uh, we've got a whole library of books. So if it's more information you need, we've got you covered. Mm -hmm. If instead you, again, you want to speak with someone, we've got health educators on site. Uh, and if you just kind of want to take a look at other classes that we have, mm -hmm. 
you can go to our website, and that's www.salemhealth.org slash check, C-H-E-C. All right. Well, thanks again so much, Alyssa. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure.